0: Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. To convince a child to keep walking, try switching roles with them. Let the child play the role of the parent.
1: They'll immediately do what you want them to do.
2: You are raising in your home people that the Bible is very clear about their status. They need to be converted, not just a conformity of their behavior. They need a transforming encounter with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate priority.
0: It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. I was being sarcastic, which is another big word you'll learn in school.
2: What's the word on the street? This is Wretched Radio. The word on the Strasse. The Frankfurt School. You say, what in the world is a Frankfurt School? Is that where the Hormel truck? No, it was the Oscar... Oscar Mayer Wiener is Hormel. I still can't get over the old <laughs> jingle. Or the Hormel jingle. Hot dogs. Armor hot dogs. What kind of kids eat armor? Hot dogs. Join me, Jimmy. Uh, Fat kids. Skinny kids. Kids who climb on rocks. Tough kids. Tough kids. kids. Sissy kids. Sissy kids. Wow. How the world has changed. And perhaps that actually gets us back on track. What has changed the world so much? Why is it that we are deconstructing Everything. Why do we hear a celebrity like Anne Hathaway? <laughs> you know, the great political mind Anne Hathaway at the human rights campaign saying, we will not just question the myth of heteronormativity. We will destroy it. Walls built in fear will crumble. The old world will shatter. The new world will emerge forged from this community. Love is love. Yep, you're smelling irony right now because a rich, famous person who actually benefits from the crumbling but nevertheless existing order wants to deconstruct it. But hopefully not while she's getting a mani-pedi. Why did we change as a society? Well, our good friend, Carl Truman, I call him a good friend. I don't think he'd return the moniker. Writing in First Things introduces us to a man named Herbert Marcoux. He was one of the mm, leading figures at the Frankfurt School. This, of course, is located in Germany. It was created between the wars. World War One goofed up Western civilization, which was being built on empiricism, the ideology that man knew the answer to everything. Just give us some time, give us some test tubes, and we'll get this sorted because we know what is truth. And then came World War One and shattered that idea. Uh, the idea that human beings have the have the fix-it for everything and the explanation for reality was utterly shattered with World War II. But between those two wars, the Frankfurt School began to try to figure out uh, how how to sort all of this. And there were a wide-ranging number of philosophers and academics in the Frankfurt School. Some were Marxist, others critical. But social theory... Ring a bell. Social theory was being bandied about a lot. And Carl Truman now walks us through at least one of the culturally influential members of the Frankfurt School, Herbert Marcoux. Now, this is this is what the fellow taught. We must struggle to achieve nothing that actually exists. Now, this is Carl Truman's paraphrase of his position, which is, whew. It would require translation from German into English and then from English into English where you could actually get it. So this is Carl Truman paraphrasing this leading proponent of social theory at the Frankfurt School. It's all about having abstract goals like Anne Hathaway. We're going to tear down this system of heteronormativity so that we can love, have happiness, and peace, all really unquantifiable terms. Back to Carl Truman. Hoping in something defined entirely by opposition to that which does exist, the critical theoretical project, it's all about creating utopia, must pit itself against all that is, in other words, The critical theory, the social theory, the deconstructionism, it is all about shattering everything that exists. In other words, they're against. And I do believe, as an aside, there might be a lesson here for our local churches or perhaps parachurch ministries. Are you against, well, everything? Or at least, is that what you're known for? A mule can either kick or pull. But they can't do both simultaneously. The critical theorists, the deconstructionists, the Marxists, they want to kick. They want to destroy everything. Christians should be pullers. On occasion, we point out and mark those which cause division. We can certainly point a repenting finger at the king who is sinning. But we should be for. And if your church is is a collection of kickers and not pullers, it's probably just a matter of time before the mules turn their rear legs inward and start kicking each other. We should be the four people who protest as needed. The utopian society from the Frankfurt School, they were kickers. In short, the goal of this fellow's critical theory and those of the theories descended from it can be described only in negative terms. Anti-capitalism, anti-patriarchy, anti-racism, anti-God, anti-religion. It's all about dismantling institutions, social structures, moral codes that stand in the way of a rather vaguely defined, hoped for, utopian future. Here's the problem. How can the critical theorists define social justice? if? All that exists by definition is infected by capitalism, systemic racism, patriarchy, or a slew of structural injustices. You can't do so positively. It has to be negative. And then hopefully once everything has been torn down, social justice will emerge. Go ahead to find what that means. So once we liberate everybody from this oppressive system, well, we'll have a perfect place where everything will be the same, only different. The problem is it can't be the same because you're destroying everything. Consider Isaiah and Paul, who were much better social theorists. Uh, Isaiah and Paul approached reality differently because they knew that there was a beginning to the reality that you and I live in. There was a garden, and there was perfection, and they also understand why there is corruption and why human beings pit themselves against one another. It's a little old thing called sin. They also understood, yes, Isaiah understood a savior who would come, Emmanuel God with us, who would be born of a virgin, who would be the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, who would make the place better and one day restore it. That's the message of the Christian, that there's a better, that there's a future, that there's a hope. That's positive from Carl Truman. Read Isaiah and Paul. You immediately see that the purpose of their critiques is the restoration of God's creation and its fulfillment in God's covenant. Natural law and similar concepts that can give us a picture of the moral structure. And then the book of Proverbs outlines how we're supposed to think. Uh, what would Jesus do is our question in a positive way. From the early days of the Frankfurt School, critical theory has been marked by an inability to articulate a positive social vision in anything but the vaguest terms. The lack of a positive vision occurs because critical theory denies that the world has any intrinsic moral shape. This is why everything is being torn down. Christianity offers a moral shape. They have no conception of the good that needs to be restored. So everything is about vague goals like equality, inclusion, and social justice. They, they, they just want to tear down and wreck everything, and that includes the church. Consider the words of Black Lives Matter. The Global Network Foundation imagines a world where black people across the diaspora thrive, experience joy. What does that mean? Don't know, but they're not defined by their struggles. By achieving liberation, we envision a life that is fully divested from police, tear down. Prisons tear down, and all punishment paradigms. that is all about tearing down. So we know what the critical theorists are, are against. What are they for? They offer no forgiveness, no for great, no grace. The bourgeoisie has got to be destroyed. It is all law and no gospel. What might we learn from this? Well, the Frankfurt School instructs us that what we're seeing around us is planned and it is very negative and it is very godless. But might I suggest perhaps the even greater lesson is um, let's make sure our churches and our parachurch ministries aren't negative, aren't kickers. We're pullers and we're positive. This is Wretched Radio. Well, in
1: a world that is undeniably cluttered with quick fixes and superficial solutions, now comes a journey into the heart of real change. I'm talking about Transformed Season 3. It's finally here, and we're inviting you into the lives of individuals that are facing the giants of fear and guilt and grief. But hey, there's a twist. These aren't your typical battles. These battles have been fought with the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. You'll witness long. Loneliness and overeating and relational tension met with grace, truth, and love that can only come from the one who knows us the best. This season's not just about watching others. It's about seeing yourself and your struggles and the path to true transformation through biblical counseling. We'll together dive deep into the heart of what it means to be transformed. Transformed Season 3 can be found right now at wretched.org slash transformed3.
2: I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar, that's it. The kid comes, they get treats, per month.
1: And hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. We certainly appreciate each and every one of you who tune in and listen, and each and every one of you who have supported us previously. Now, I want to take a moment and ask if you would consider, prayerfully consider, joining us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Imagine the impact we could have together with your ongoing support. I'm talking reaching millions of people all over the world with the life changing gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the lord knowing that your toil is not in vain in the lord so standing firm is not just a posture it is a partnership in the gospel that moves mountains that changes hearts and saves souls So if you're in a good place right now in your life, you're giving to your local church, then we would ask if you would prayerfully consider joining us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner. You can get all of the answers to all of the questions you could possibly ever have at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel.
0: Know your church fathers. Tertullian was a well-trained Greco-Roman philosopher. When he converted to Christianity, he used his great learning to vigorously defend Christianity. Tertullian rejected secular philosophy and is famously quoted as saying, What hath Athens to do with Jerusalem? This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Hey, 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 hey. If you're you're working at WAGP, you might want to hit the record button now. This is Wretched Radio. If you're listening to WAGP FM, I'd like to in- see that's why they needed to record it. They can use that for their jingle right there. If people are listening on WAGP FM, I would like to invite you to a banquet Friday night. I have the privilege of being in Beaufort, South Carolina. Leverly part of the globe for a Valentine's banquet. It's being thrown by Community Bible Church led by Pastor Carl Brogy doing such a great work in that zip code. I'm telling you, such an encouragement to see a sound, thriving, very large church who actually wants to see people saved. Ain't that a kooky idea? They don't do it through seeker-sensitive programs. Instead, they invite people to come to Valentine banquets and bring an unsafe friend. Oh, a string attached, because they want people to be saved and experience the greater love than Cupid firing an arrow into your heart. So if you're listening on... Sorry. If you're listening on... W A G P F M. Just giving them a chance to record it. Because I think I've nailed it three times in a row here. You just saved them a lot of money. You can learn more at communitybiblechurch.us. Communitybiblechurch.us. I also, I don't know what Carl Brogi was thinking, giving me the pulpit on Sunday morning. (laughs) Nevertheless, hope you'll join us at communitybiblechurch.us. Of course, only if you're listening on. Go ahead. Come on. Come on. You <laughs> well, do it. You want me to do it. Oh, yeah, you do it. W A G P.
1: That wasn't. What even? That was. It's, it's a different tone. you got to have different,
2: different var- tone. You have,
1: you have different varieties. It was a
2: different everything. <laughs> I can't carry it. I need it too. to go back to the drawing board on my <laughs> jingle writing skills. Oh, boy. What do you got? humanity. Film at 11. Breaking news. Breaking news. This is about as political as we're going to get. Hey, there's a new Bible study. It's purportedly intended to help us be nicer. You see, there's acrimony between the right and the left. So what do we need to silence those clamorous voices and just get along and find a middle way? We need a Bible study. It is called The After Party. It is a program that is led by Duke Divinity Consulting Professor Curtis Chang. We'll need to remember his name. And developed with New York Times columnist David French. Yep, well, he at best is in the middle of the road. And lo and behold, Christianity Today editor, in chief Russell Moore, who used to be the president of the ERLC for the Southern Baptist Convention, I think it's fair to say that's their political action committee, which. Not exactly sure is a good idea for a denomination church or convention. Nevertheless, he used to be mostly not always, but mostly conservative. Now, at best, he's middle of the road, and he's participating in a Bible study that's intended to to bring a little bit of nuance to get away from the political idolatry of evangelicalism, and when. When they think political ideology or idolatry, they really mean those on the right. Remember, it's always about punching to the right, coddling to the left. Have you read any articles of concern in any of the major outlets, if there's still even that? (laughs) Is the New York Times a major player? At any rate, have you heard anybody in an op-ed piece saying, those evangelicals, they're just too involved in their progressive liberal politics? Not a chance. It's always to the right. And you say, well, of what concern is this to me? Well, most likely you might hear about it inside of your church. And you should know a couple of things, not only about Russell Moore and David French, but also the fellow from Duke Divinity Consulting Professor. He's a pro-life Democrat. He blamed the American church for the January 6 riots and says, we own what happened at the Capitol. Now, if there's anybody, any large group that was attending the January 6th Capitol affair, uh, more like NAR people. Mm -hmm. By, By the way, hold on, hold on. That is a fact because somebody just, oh, I've got to find it here. Somebody just talked about how it's a it's a new tour called Flashpoint. Yeah, hold on. I got it right here. You are listening to the most organized program on WAGP <laughs> FM at this time and on this station. Something called Flashpoint Live. This is from Religion News. It's a roster of Pentecostal prophets that are hitting the road for the next election. Who is leading that? If, if you're wondering, when liberals talk about Christian nationalism or dominionism, there might be others, but I believe this is the largest group that there is. And this event called Flashpoint Live, it's touring around the country. And it is led by a pastor from Ken Copeland's ministry from his church, uh, it is going to feature Steve Bannon, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, as well as Josh Howley, Rand Paul, U.S. Rep Lauren Lauren Babert. Babert? Bobert? Boebert hey. again. Hey, I told you we're not a political program. And the agenda behind this is on the website that it is going to be, these will be messages that are delivered under the anointing, which means, it's kind of code word for, words from God. We do have an agenda. I am a crystal fascist, writes the pastor from Ken Copeland's ministry. Christian nationalist. And they've got, by the way, if you're interested, they've got Flashpoint merchandise, which includes a shirt that says, Patriot, taking back America. They've got beanies and backpacks, too. It's kicking off well, right now at Oh, what a shocker here. Andrew Womack's School, Charis Bible College. Are we seeing a theme? It's gonna have Mike Lindell, but most notably Pentecostal preachers like Lance Walnow, who is a promoter of Seven Mountain Dominionism, a fellow named Hank Kuhneman. He's a pastor from Omaha who claims, quote, an incredible accuracy in the word of knowledge and prophecy concerning nations and world events. These these are dominionists who exercise the watchman decree claiming the church is God's governing body on earth with legal power from heaven. Would Would you like to know who the largest, if we can call it evangelical group was at the Capitol on January 6th? Right there. Right there. And all the touring sideshows that are promoting dominionism or theocracy or Christo fascism. That's a, whew, two words that shouldn't be going together. Uh, that's who it is. By the way, in 2020, more than 150 self proclaimed prophets mm, biffed it by predicting a red wave and a second Trump administration. Furthermore, Pastor Kuhneman from Omaha prophesied that Trump's loss would be overturned and the former president would return to the White House. Look to the skies of your 4th of July, he proclaimed on July 2nd, 2021. Last time I checked, Joe Biden's still sitting there. Back to the after party. This is a Bible study that you should know is funded by the Rockefeller Philanthropy advisors. There isn't a conservative bone in this body here. They announced that the after party would be one of the 32 beneficiaries of their new pluralist project, investing $10 million to address divisive forces. And who are the divisive forces? You guessed it, conservatives. Because remember, we need Marxism to save democracy. Wait, what? Did you? It is, it is all about deconstructing, tearing down anything that is remotely biblical. So you can look forward to seeing the after party, which is basically intended to encourage evangelicals to become liberal and quiet. How much impact will it have? Some, I suppose. I guess a bunch of Episcopalian churches will probably use it. But I do believe this is a moment for us to remember what's going on here. This is not a political battle. This is so much bigger. This is is a worldview war that we're seeing, which means Ephesians 6 comes to mind for us. This is a spiritual battle, and we're seeing it playing out on the national stage. And we just want to be careful that we make sure that our voice is the voice of the church, Christ ones, whose primary message is not our only concern, but our primary message is repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our message. This is Wretched Radio. Mexican.
0: Providence is the word we use to describe God's preserving, upholding, and governing of His creation. God sustains His creation day to day through ordinary means, established at the beginning of time. And He intervenes in miraculous ways. In all things, God is working for His glory and for the good of those who love Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Marriage is what brings us together. Don't panic. This is Wretched Radio. Not going to talk about the A-bomb marriage situation. Would like to talk about marriage itself. I received something so brilliant. (laughs) So simple. It's on one piece of paper, and I think that's like 20-point font. It is called a premarital covenant. This was sent to me by my dear friend, Pastor Hyland Goodman. He said he used to send this to people, couples who would approach him to say, hey, will you do our premarital counseling? And this is what the premarital covenant stated. It'll, it'll do some filtering for you. I agree to follow and abide by the following ground rules for premarital counseling. One, to be honest, open, and thorough in all my assignments and discussions. That'll filter out some people. What do you mean, assignments? I got to do work. If you are not familiar with biblical counseling, most likely you think it is a therapeutic model in that somebody comes in, they do the majority of talking. The therapist says, how does that make you feel? And then you give them a platitude that could be written on a fortune cookie and you send them on their way. That's not what biblical counseling is. The biblical counselor up front asks a lot of questions and the individual does get to bear their heart. Why? Because the counselor is dropping a bucket down the well of their heart to try to pull up what is there. And then he or she does the teaching, applying the Bible to their issues. But it doesn't stop there. There is not a good biblical counselor who doesn't give loads of homework. Even like whatever the emotional issues, it's a sin issue. It's just confusion. It's a decision that needs to be made. Homework, homework, homework in the context of the local church. And the same thing should be true for premarital counseling. You're going to give them homework. And telling somebody up front, it is expected that you're going to read everything and fill out every single form. There are some forms. I'm telling you that couples, good, uh, I think it's, is it Wayne Mack's book? Uh, I've got it. No, I gave it back to Dave Cavalli. The point is there's a book that has each of the couples go through and ask questions that dig and dig. And dig. And then the counselor assesses it and determines we need to work on this more than that for the man and the woman. And by the way, if you're a woman and you are a little bit hesitant to do biblical counseling because it should be a male who counsels a male and a female, and you're thinking, well, that's two to one I'm going to get teamed up on, you're in for a bit of a surprise because typically what I have seen. And when I've been involved in marital counseling, it's the fellow who takes the brunt of the counseling because he's the one responsible. Remember, a husband is a husbandman. He's a farmer. He's a gardener. And the question is, how does your garden grow, gardener? And if there's weeds and thorns and thistles, the problem isn't the plants or the soil. The problem is the gardener. Who needs to tend those issues to have a fruitful crop. And so it's the man who really tends to get a little bit more questioning and critiquing. Doesn't mean the woman doesn't. So if you're a woman and you've been hesitant because of the male dynamic, I don't think that should be a reason to keep you from going to counseling premarital or otherwise, if and you need it with your hubby. Number two of the premarital covenant. I agree to diligently complete all outside assignments and to read the books required three. I agree to maintain a biblically pure physical relationship before our wedding (laughs) pastor. If you're looking for a way to get out of a lot of superfluous premarital counseling, this'll do it now. Whether you do that wedding or not, that that's like a different conversation. Number four, I agree to attend at least one worship service per week and to share what I'm learning with my fiancé. Well, that sounds so not onerous, so Christian. That's, you want to be married by a pastor in a church? What do you think this is, a show? What do you think we just slap our religion over your wedding certificate issued by the government? No. The primary player in a marriage covenant is God Himself. It ain't a game. And pastors are are not, in my opinion, they're just not supposed to be used to do a wedding. And I got to tell you, though, a lot of pastors feel an immense amount of pressure on this issue. Hey, Pastor. Will you marry my son and or daughter? Uh, Are they believers? No. Will you marry him? Don't forget, I'm one of the biggest givers in the church. That stuff happens. And your pastor's on the receiving end of that. Number five, I agree to allow the pastor the right to cancel or postpone the wedding date if he determines that either myself or my fiance is not biblically free to marry or lacks the maturity to handle the responsibility of marriage, or is failing to abide by this covenant. Brilliant. That's a big one. Brilliant. And that is simply a higher view of marriage, which is what the world apparently needs. San Antonio Zoo will again name a cockroach after your ex and then feed it to an animal. It's the Crimea Cockroach Fundraiser for the San Antonio Zoo, allowing individuals to name a cockroach after their ex that then gets fed to an animal. Hey, could we have a lower view of humanity? And marriage? No. It's $10, bucks, non refundable It's going to help the zoo in its mission of securing a future for wildlife. I, I thought... You didn't let animals be wild. You put them in a pen so that they could methodically pace back and forth, so they don't lose their minds so we can stare and gawk at them. Yeah, that's right. I'm sounding like I'm sounding like something not conservative. I'm not a fan of zoos. It's just, look, you work at a zoo. Not saying you're sinning. I, I just sometimes I see those animals being caged. You know, in and, and in the water. Todd, it's called an aquarium where they the fish just kind of back and forth and back and forth, or the lion back and forth. That that's that's to soothe their brain from being in a scenario, in a situation that they don't like. Sorry. Jimmy, does that mean I'm gonna vote for Joe Biden? Is that what that suddenly means? Well, I mean, you're close. I hope not. Alongside cockroaches, people can also name a rodent, or if you're a vegetarian, of course. A vegetable after an X. <laughs> you got to remember the vegetarians in this whole affair. The veggie option only costs five bucks. See, it's always the proteins, the cockroaches and the rats. And I, they're more expensive, the proteins. will be fed to one of the zoo's vegetarian animals. Unvalan- oh, well, see, that's important because if you're a vegetarian... You want to feed something that represents your ex that is vegetarian, but only to a vegetarian, because if it is consumed by a carnivore, well, ho, 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 ho. you can have your choice of romaine lettuce, cabbage, and other greens. The other option, 25 bucks. A pre-frozen rodent will be fed to an animal on the annual holiday. Oh. Does the world have a low view of marriage? I think it's important that we remember, and I know we're having a lot of conversations these days about marriage. Uh, We need to remember it is the culture that chose this issue. This this is the watershed issue. It is all about that institution. I think we do well to remember it. If the world recognizes its importance, how much higher should we esteem the institution of marriage? from an individual named Alex Berenson talking about polyamory and ethical non-monogamy. Very funny guy. And all the other depressing ways to pretend you aren't just cheating. (laughs) That's what, this is the push for polyamory and ethical mm, non-monogamy. Jimmy? Have you ever heard about ethical rape, child molestation, <laughs> e- ethical? Yeah, no, no. exactly. So he does cite some reasons. It's it's cultural, meaning it's drug-related. A lot of these people that he reads about that are shacking up with multiples has something to do with illegal substances. The couples are childless. Third, money. There are a lot of ladies bringing home the bacon. And when shove comes to push, the golden rule is that he who has the gold makes the rules. And it's women that are promoting ethical non-monogamy or polycules or polyamory or any other perversion of marriage. It's women that are saying, I need to see more fellas. And the fellas are going, okay, all right. Because they're maybe making more and they're financially dependent on them. Whatever the motive is behind it, Right Here, Here's the line from the article. This is a funny guy. All those justifications are just selfishness wrapped in a big burrito of me, me, me. That's the truth. Marriage, you ain't going to hold me down. Ain't nothing going to break my stride. I'm going to have as many partners as I want to. And I'm going to fictitiously call it ethical. Why? Because marriage isn't about us. It's about me. This is Wretched Radio.
1: I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's
2: womb and then saw the sonograms Baby in the womb, when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat, would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched.
1: Are you ready to go on an adventure that tackles life's biggest questions head on? Well, we invite you to join John Famares and Jake Ream on a riveting journey and road trip to truth Season 4. This season they're hitting the road to explore deep questions about sin, atheism, racism, and the very nature of truth itself. Through candy conversations with university students and wisdom from experts, this season delivers some unwavering answers from a biblical perspective. Whether it's understanding the realities of heaven and hell, navigating the complexities of marriage, or uncovering the truths about money and forgiveness, Road Trip to Truth Season 4 will be your guide. It's perfect for youth groups families, or anyone who seeks to defend their faith with confidence. Road Trip to Truth has been more than a series. It's a tool for sparking meaningful discussions and inspiring a commitment to the gospel. So if you're ready to head out on a road trip, buckle up for the truth. Road Trip to Truth Season 4, available now at wretched.org four.
2: If you are one of the people who supported our joint effort with the Masters Academy International to get Bibles into the hands of people, you're going to hear a thank you letter from May that perhaps will include encourage you that what you did was a very good and lasting thing. I'm one of the recipients of the MacArthur Study Bible, so generously given with the help of gospel partners, this will help me in my daily study of God's word and will inform, instruct, inspire me in my walk with the Lord, as well as my service to the Lord in my family and my church ministries. How encouraging is that? By the way, If you're not plugged into the Master's Academy International, everything is about long-lasting impact. They train pastors in 18, 19 countries and many seminaries around the globe so that pastors can fill empty pulpits and preach. That makes a generational difference. You can learn more about the Master's Academy at wretched.org slash Bible or if you prefer, wretched.org slash pastor. Names of God. Is Jesus
0: God? One name given to God in Scripture is El Gibor, the mighty God. One occurrence of this name stands out. In Isaiah chapter 9, El Gibor is the name given to the promised Messiah. Jesus is that promised Messiah. He is God incarnate.
2: This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Does anybody else need their serotonin drip? This is Wretched Radio. Sorry for this diatribe, Mom and Dad. I do not envy you in this day and age when it comes to the issue of electronics, specifically computers and cell phones. It appears the results are in. I think it is something that has been observable to most. But now scientific studies have affirmed what seems to be pretty obvious that staring at an electronic screen a lot, consuming amusements, is not good for us it provides a serotonin drip that stimulates and i need it when i don't get i gotta get to just like la- just was it last night wow <laughs> i guess it was last night we were sitting at a table and right next to us was a, a lovely family it was a teenage girl who actually, when the Backstreet Boys came on the speaker, started singing along, and I thought, how does she know the Backstreet Boys? Usually the kids have no sense of American history. The point is, it was the husband and the wife and the teenage daughter. Dad and the daughter seemed to be communicating fine. Mom couldn't get off of her cell phone. Couldn't get off. Couldn't tear herself away. She needed her serotonin drip. I need my fix. I've got to have it. And our kids... We're going to have to face it. They're addicted to their cell phones. And I don't envy you, mom and dad, if you're living at this time, because when we were raising kids, we were right at the curve, just right there when it came to do we give the kid a phone, Don't the the demand and the peer pressure they've got to have. We were able to get away with flip phones. Uh, (laughs) Good providence with that, mom and dad, because we don't believe in luck. It ain't easy. Your kid feels it. They got to have one, and it's hard to control it. That is why I don't envy you. And I, honestly, I don't know what we would do. I do not know what we would do right now as parents if we had teenagers in dealing with cell phones. Let me take you to the Epic Times headline, The Silent Epidemic Eating Away American Minds. All of the stuff that we tend to consume. Yeah, there's a little work or research in there. You know, the, the important stuff. Um, we're going to South Carolina. How many people live there? I don't know. I'll Google it. But even that is for our amusement. It's all about novelty an emotional experience. Instant reward. Very satisfying and stressful simultaneously. Screens can overstimulate our brains which results in perpetual stress. Hmm, I wonder if that's why the battle cry of Gen Z is we're stressed. We're really bummed out. Also known as fight or flight state. The state taxes the brain. This state taxes the brain and body and makes us prone to meltdowns, depression, and anxiety. Even minor changes in the environment occur. When I was reading this story, it's pretty lengthy, about 10 pages long, there was an anecdote of one boy who was just driving the parents bonkers, belligerent, spending all day in his room, not cleaning, not shower, just an angry. Their psychologist said, take away the cell phone. They did 10 days later, they had a new kid. Now, I know it's an anecdote, but the reality is people are seeing a change when they don't let their kids on it. But let's go to science, if you can call it that. A large study done in adults 2021 showed that adults were considered at risk of internet addiction, were 2.3 times more likely to have depression, 1.9 times more likely to have anxiety than other folks. Hmm. People with definite or severe addiction were 13 times more likely to have both depression and anxiety screen activities so that that would include video games social media scrolling through the internet video streaming whatever your jones is it offers an escape and it stimulates the brain due to bright colors and their seamless integration into the virtual world so the article when presented with anything new and exciting the brain releases dopamine and anything that introduces dopamine releases can be addictive. Dopamine produces a feeling of pleasure, while a drop in it is linked to irritability and poor mood. So dopamine, serotonin, it's causing the brain to generate these stimulants and or depressants that are maybe one of the reasons. million, hundreds of... I was reading about, it was Adderall, I think, that there are 30 million people on Adderall. Whoa! That's like, I think think now the number is one in five Americans are taking some form of psychotropic drug. Could it be from screens? Screen activities. From the book Irresistible, the arise of addictive technology and the business of keeping us hooked. Micro rules can be a ding sound or a white flash whenever a character moves over a particular square and are synced to the player's actions so that they feel they were the one who caused it. What are we talking about here? The way that these games are designed with the intention of hooking you. It's micro-feedback, and it generates a sense of reward, hooking people into continuously playing the game. Uh, Kids that just get swallowed up in these games because they're intended to swallow you. Two hours of TV is linked to signs of dysregulation in children, but it only takes 30 minutes of screen activities, interactive screen activities, to reach that same level of dysregulation. In other words, watching TV, we can't fool ourselves into thinking, well, that's the way we should be doing it. No, it can goof us up too, but. The screen, the video game, the cell phone, far faster. They employ strategy used in gambling, such as loot box rewards, where players are rewarded at random intervals throughout the game. And when you don't know when the reward is going to come, yeah, I got to keep playing. I got to get a reward. I got to get the bell. I got to get the piece of cheese. That comes from none other than B.F. Skinner. Behavior that's rewarded tends to be repeated. He put pigeons in a box with a button, gave them food whenever they pressed it, and he found that pigeons rewarded irregularly were more compelled to press the button than those who were rewarded with every push of the button. And they use that strategy on us and our kids. Social media has been engineered to lack natural stopping cues inherent in many aspects of life. So a newspaper article, it's a book, it's a movie, it ends. Not on the internet, isn't that true? You could be looking at a video and it ends, but look, there's another one loading. And hey, is that another dog video? That dog looks scared. I think I'll watch and see how he was made all happy when he got rescued. One one form of media is not like another. And so the social media, it just keeps bringing it. There's no end of the article, no end of the chapter, no conclusion. Social media, you can scroll forever. It's called the doom scroll. Internet surfing, no different. Put a word into the search engine and endless results and related links surface, leading you down a rabbit hole. The average amount of time an American spends per day behind screens, excluding school and work time. Seven hours. Seven hours. Let's do some math, which I'll have to read because I ain't so good at the numbers. People need about eight hours of sleep every day. The average working time is eight and a half hours. But you need time to socialize, exercise, eat, brush your teeth, and floss, shower, manage your daily affairs, have hobbies. Seven hours of screen time daily would mean necessarily necessary unnecessary activities, are being sacrificed. Why do kids that are addicted to video games never shower? They ain't got time for that. Furthermore, low dopamine levels are linked with irritable mood and depression. Guess what? When you are on prolonged screen entertainment, it leads to protracted periods of dopamine release. That means when they hit a drop, when they get ripped away, which is why they're so angry at their parents. Hey, You finish up with the game. No, shut up. Leave me alone. They got to keep the drip going. You pull them away. What do they become? Irritable, moody, and depressed. Because our brains weren't meant to be stimulated constantly. And the article goes on to say it's not only linked to anxiety and irritability, ADHD. Some people are even speculating autism. Some parents are now raising their children. By using screens as babysitters. Causing children to prioritize screens over family. It's reflected in Gen Alpha. A common issue with these children is a lack of discipline. Leaving parents stressed. And everybody in the store or restaurant agitated. And only screens can pacify them during their tantrums. That is what is eating away at the American mind including your children. Mom and dad, I don't know what to tell you, but I would encourage this. Create some sort of plan. you you, you got to help your kid because they're going to get sucked in. Unless, of course, you've been sucked in too. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.